Amen. Good evening, family. Uh, you got an Easter hangover still? Good evening. He is risen. There we go. He is risen. He's still risen, family. He is still risen. You know, that wasn't just a greeting for Easter Sunday back in the day. It was when Christians would greet one another because they, the anticipation and the joy and the hope and the excitement of knowing they served a risen Savior and that they had life in him was overflowing in them. Uh, so I've, we got a brief message today, and then we're going to jump into baptisms where we're going to celebrate with some of our family the decision that they've made to follow Jesus and identify with his death, burial, and resurrection by being immersed in the waters of baptism. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15 and studying a very uh, popular parable, a very common parable that was told by Jesus. Uh, parables are stories that were taught to reveal a spiritual reality that uh, in, in intentionally mask it in hidden in, in plain view so that those who were seeking truth and those who were seeking after God and after his spirit would be able to understand it. But those who were looking to ridicule or to, to, uh, to attack Jesus' teaching would be left baffled and confused by it. I titled tonight's message, Undignified. Luke chapter 15 opens with Jesus ministering to some sinners and tax collectors. And the Pharisees and the scribes see this happening and they get offended. They get upset because Jesus is spending this time with them. But I, if you'll notice that I said he was ministering to the sinners and the tax collectors, to the people who are down and out, the people who don't show up on Sunday morning. Jesus doesn't just hang out with non-believers. He didn't just hang out with sinners and tax collectors because he wants more friends. He ministers to them because he wants to see them changed and transformed. Right? So the Pharisees are taking issue with the fact that Jesus is spending the time with these people. But I think sometimes instead of getting mad at the Pharisees, we should reflect in our own hearts and say, who are the people that we don't want to relate to? Who are the people that I wouldn't invite to church? Who are the people that I would get upset about if I heard that Pastor Brett had a meeting with that person? Because that's what was happening. And so we can identify with that and we can get too proud to reach out to people. And, and Jesus sees this dynamic working out. He sees the Pharisees being, being upset that he's ministering to these people. And he sees these people starting to get insecure and starting to shut down and starting to wonder, I wonder, what, I wonder if we have a place with Jesus with these really righteous and pious people over here. And so Jesus tells a series of parables. And this is the third in a series of parables that he, that he tells. And we're going to look at a lot of text tonight. It's Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 31. Fortunately, because it is a parable, it is a story, so it's easy to track. It's not, it's not, gonna be, it's not like reading Romans where you're like, whoa, every three verses you need to stop and just take a nap. <laughs> so Luke chapter 15, verse 11, and we'll go from there. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey to a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who, was sent, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But then he came to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. 
I'll arise and go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older brother was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called to the one of the servants and asked, and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother's come. And your father's killed the fattened calf because he has received him safely back. And, uh, he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed a command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. It's fitting to celebrate and be glad for, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is God's word to us. Father, help us tonight to recognize the lengths and the depth of your faithfulness toward us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have a name for this passage, don't we? Who knows what it is? We call this the story of the prodigal son. There's only one problem. He came back. We're still identifying this young man by his season of rebellion. We got the same problem with Thomas. We call Thomas, but he is only regarded by Christ as believing Thomas. So we call this section of scripture, and so what I want to do is I want to challenge our thought about this story of the prodigal son, because first of all, there were two sons, both of them distant from their father's heart, and I want to I reframe this and look at it from a new perspective tonight. Just a side note, these, um, these, pad, these subheadings in the Bible, it's in bold probably. If you looked in a paper Bible, it's in bold above it. It's also in, in your, your electronic version. Those subheadings aren't uh, canonized scripture. So I'm not messing with canonized scripture by saying, let's change it. Because we can't just change the, <laughs> the Bible because it would fit a different sermon. Right? Okay. Just, okay, so we're not doing that. These, these uh, subheadings were put there by, by the publishers to help us understand what's happening in the scripture. Chapters and verses were also added for our benefit in the 12th and 16th century so that we could talk about it more easily and we could memorize it more easily. That's not, you know, when Jesus was talking, he wasn't saying, and line, verse 16 now. We're going to change verses right now. We're going to stop right in the middle of this thought and change verses. You'll get it later. There was none of that. This is stuff that we've added to it to help us, to help us understand what's happening. So I'm not messing with, messing with the Bible. Um, 
Tonight, I want to take our eyes off of the brothers. And I want to put our eyes on the father, who's the least popular man in the story. He's the least recognized man in this story, but he's the most popular and the most, or the most famous and most necessary and most important character in this story. I'm going to look at the faithfulness of the father. And we're going to look many, we're going to look briefly at the many ways that he allowed himself to be undignified so that when, uh, so that the ones he, he loved could be restored back into the family. So the undignified title isn't about the sons and their rebellion. The undignified is about how the father allowed himself to condescend and to be and appear to be undignified to everybody who was watching so that he could restore his sons back to their proper place. It seems like a small thing, but he allowed his son to take his inheritance early. It would cost him dearly. It cost him his property, and so you can't quietly sell property in a town where everybody knows each other. He's a man of note. He's got, he's got uh, servants, and he's got people, and he's got property, and, and he's going to have to sell this property. And, well, why are you selling that property, Jebediah? My son asked for his inheritance. Why would you give your son his inheritance? You're not dead. See, the son was, was not even willing to wait for his father to pass before he could get the father's things. He just wanted the father's stuff. And he asked for it. And this man went ahead and sold his property. It would cost him dearly, not just in money, but in the standing of the community and the eyes that were on him. It made Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, hey, selling his property, giving it away. Made the local paper, talked about him on the news. He allowed his son to leave and to begin to squander everything that this man had worked for his whole life, that he had inherited and he had stewarded, and now he was giving to his son, and he allowed his son to go. Looked undignified. He never took his love from his son as his son was gone. I imagine he looked at that ridge every day. He looked, probably scanned the horizon every morning, midday, every meal. Hold on, I got to check. Hold on, I just got to look. I'm sure he assigned his servants. When I'm not looking, you keep your eye out. My son is coming back. Telling everybody in their community, my son is coming back. I love him. He's going to make it. He's going to come back. And everybody's looking at him. This guy is crazy. Why does he still love his son that squandered the gift? Why does he love this son who took all these gifts that had been given him that he didn't even earn and he, and, he, and he ran off with it and he squandered it? Why show so much love and compassion and mercy to this son that, that spit in his face? It was undignified. When his son started to return, I, I imagine that reports came back, though his son was in a faraway land. I'm sure that uh, people in the community ran into him. And he'd hear word back, and he, he was unshaken by that because he knew his son was going to come back. And, and um, when his son's head broke the plane of the horizon, he started running. I know that, knucklehead. That's my boy. And he started running. Doesn't seem like a big deal. 
Because you'll see lots of fathers run to their kids in this kind of environment, with little kids, playing with them and joking with them. But in this culture, in this context, a man of dignity did not run. That was for children. That was for war. That was for women. It was not for a man to run. The clothes he had, he would have had to hike them up and, and it would have taken a lot of work. And he would have had, we imagine that he's, he's running a far distance. It was undignified, but he allowed himself to become undignified so that his son could be dignified. He runs and I'm sure his son, the whole way back, he's reciting his speech. Dad, I messed up. Dad, this is what happened. I, I, I just want to be a servant. You don't have to do anything. There was a, there was a way back if you really messed up in the society and it wasn't getting right back into the family. What the father did is he ran out to his son, made himself so undignified in the sight of anybody who was watching or anybody that would hear about it. And he embraces his son and kisses him before his son can get a single word out to tell everybody else, shut your mouth, my son is home. And every time that story would be told and every time we read it in this verse, he's saying, shut your mouth, I don't care what they did, I don't care where they were, I only care that he's home. So undignified to hide and bury the offense of his son. The indignity of his son was well known by everybody. It was recited. There were picture albums of it. There were newspaper clippings of it. Everybody knew about it. And the father's like, I'm going to cover this up with one act that everybody else is going to be talking about. Did you hear? He ran out to meet him. He ran all the way out to the edge of the field. He didn't send a servant. How undignified. He ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him. And then his son opens his mouth and he's like, so I've, he'd been thinking about this. He'd been walking from a long ways away. He's, he's starving. He's all skin and bones. He's took a long time to get back. He's got it recited and he gives his speech. And then it says, but <laughs> he gives his speech and the father responds with, but the father said to his servants, no, no, no. You're not going to take the long way back to my table. You're not taking the, the long way back to your bed. I've been keeping that bed for you. I've been keeping that room for you. Well, that mat, they didn't have rooms the way we have it, but you, you got it, right? So, so he, I kept that for you. It's yours. We didn't give somebody else your bed. We didn't burn it. We didn't do anything for it. It's waiting for you. It's been here the whole time because I knew you were coming back. Conversations would be had later. Absolutely. There were things that this young man would have to relearn. And there were things that this young man would have to unlearn from his journey. There would be conversations, but now was the time to celebrate. Now was the time to rejoice that his son was back. Even before the son changes anything, he gives his little speech, and the father's like, that's whatever. <laughs> Servants, go get these things. Get a robe. Get a ring. Get the sandals. Not even just a robe, get the best robe. Let's make sure that when people look at him, there's no difference between him and my other son who's been here the whole time. 
When people look into our house, when they see us eating, we're about to throw a party and I don't want anybody to think any different of him than anybody else. He's going to look exactly the same as anybody who's always been here the whole time, even fresher. A lot of symbolism in the gifts that he gave, but that's the bottom line for it. He didn't want any distinction between his son who had run so far and his family who had stayed so close. We need to be careful not to create distinction on people who have run away. The right, back, the path, the right path back in, in society would have been difficult. You're not a slave. He has to be a servant, which would have meant that he would have served at the house and lived in the town, and he would have been, lived a separate life from the father. And that's what, at, at the very least, this guy ran out, met him. He was so undignified and let him go. Undignified, ran out and met him. Undignified, put the robes on him, put the ring on him. At least make him work for it. It was undignified to let him back into the home as a son. And then he kills the fatted calf, which was an extremely valuable sacrifice. The other son is upset because he's like, you didn't even kill a goat for me. And you killed this calf, you killed this thing of great value to throw this party for this one that was gone and I was so good. How undignified. Now the calf isn't something that you would eat by yourself. Right? It's not like a chicken. It's a large animal, and there's lots of meat. This was not a party for the immediate family. It wasn't like, hey, Ma, go get your, you know, go get your sons. You know, we're just going to eat this together, just the few of us. You seen a side of beef? I remember the first time I helped somebody, they were like, hey, I purchased a side of beef. I'm going to go pick it up. I'm like, oh, cool, like a steak or two. <laughs> nope. Thousands of pounds of animal. <laughs> that we had to move and move and move and move. He was going to throw a party. And he was going to invite the community so everybody who had seen him acting so undignified was now going to come and see him throw a party for this son that he shouldn't be celebrating. Now, son too. You see in the lengths this father went to bring his son home and to place him in the family? If that's all the father had done. He would have been a remarkable father, but now he's got this other son who's out in the field. One of the most terrifying things for me a few years back was realizing that I was the older son for a long time. The older son is upset that this party is being thrown. I did everything right. Surely that's why I'm going to have an inheritance. I did everything according to plan. I did everything you asked of me. Expecting and hoping for some reward that was just given to his brother. So he refuses to come into the party and everybody's talking again. <laughs> his older brother's not even in here. Jeremiah, he's out in the field. He won't even come in. He's so mad. I wonder if the older son was embarrassed by his father's acts. Certainly jealous because the money comes up. Certainly upset about that. But I wonder if all this in, un, indignity, all this unbecoming behavior from his father in the community was just too much for him and he was embarrassed. Man, I can't celebrate this. He acted a fool. 
He ruined, he ruined not only his inheritance, but he messed up mine too. The family name is ruined because of him. I can't go into that party and celebrate like everything's okay. So the father, once again, instead of sending a servant or asking someone to go, leaves this party that he's throwing. And he goes out and he entreats his other son. He begs his son, come on. Come on. Come with us. Come celebrate the miracle that's occurred. He's okay. We knew, I, I knew it. I was looking for him. I knew he was going to be okay. I hoped he would be okay. Everybody else said he wouldn't be okay, but he was and he is and he's here now. Come and celebrate with us, please. And this son that was so close, his, so close in proximity for so long, his heart is laid bare and you realize his heart was far away. One son ran away, the other stayed, but both of their hearts were distant from their fathers. It's kind of a disappointing end to this parable. And I understand why, right? The, the sinners and the tax collectors were, were the younger brother and the Pharisees and the uh, scribes that were there at the top of verse 15, these ones that caused these parables to be, to, to be spoken in the first place, they were the older brother. And so there's a little bit of an ellipse. It's not there in the text, but there's an ellipse. And, and Jesus is kind of like, which one are you going to do? Where are you going to land? Younger brothers, it's time to come home. Younger brothers, it's time to come home. Come in. It doesn't matter how far you ran. It doesn't matter what you think you've done that you feel like disqualifies you from coming in and being a part of the family. All you have to do, no matter how far away you've gone, is simply to turn around. Older brothers, it's time to get close to the Father's heart and to be his true sons and daughters and to celebrate those who are being brought back. And to be with him in the first place. It's kind of like Jonah. You ever notice Pastor Brett had us do an exercise and looking at Jonah? I'm like, you never know if Jonah got his heart right. That's just random. <laughs> Tie it together real spiritually in your... Somebody will get that later, Pastor. It's really it's for somebody. For us, it's Jesus who was undignified for us. We just celebrated Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. But that wasn't the beginning. His whole life was undignified. The creator of the universe came down and took on human flesh he was born in a barn. The one who created everything entered, uh, he took on flesh and he entered his creation in a barn to be raised by people who were sinners, to go to school and to work alongside people who were sinners, 
And you know how cruel we are to anybody we think is better than us. What happens when the person's perfect? Would not have been an easy childhood for Jesus. I created this place. Can I just get a break? In front of the theater of eternity, Jesus came down. He condescended for heaven and hell to see and for him to be undignified in front of all of us. In front of every demon in hell and every angel in heaven. Came down and lived this undignified life and then lived an even more undignified, or died an even more undignified death. To cover the undignity of our lives. We are loved by a faithful, a faithful father who stopped at absolutely nothing, including being condescended in front of everyone, including being, becoming undignified, insulted, mocked, ridiculed, so that we would never have to be any of those things ever again. He wraps us in robes of righteousness. He gives us the ring that seals us as family. He covers our feet so that where we go, our steps are protected. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the length that you went. I thank you for this parable of the faithful father that teaches us about your righteousness and holiness the lengths that you went to bring us back into our proper place in the family. If there's anybody here tonight and uh, you, you, you're the younger brother or you're the older brother and you're ready to be a proper son, a proper daughter, not proper because everything that you've done is right and because you're going to perform so well, but because the love of the Father covers everything that you've done wrong. It even covers everything you think you've done right. Can you raise your hand so I can pray with you tonight? See that hand. See those hands. This is great. Their hands going up all over the room. You can put it up and put it back down. It's wonderful. If you, if you raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Father, tonight I surrender to your unfailing, always and forever love. Thank you for pursuing me and not quitting on me. Thank you for welcoming me into this family called the church, called your bride, called your body and called your people. 
I turn from all the things that I know to be sin. And I commit my way to you. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. And I ask you to give me the courage to follow you faithfully as your son or daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, so I feel like the only appropriate thing to do when a little brother comes home would be to celebrate a little bit. Can we give, can we clap? Can we celebrate? God, we are thankful. We celebrate tonight that our brothers and sisters have come home. You brought them home by your love. Welcome home.